Um, we have an exciting session planned for you today. Um, so I'm a senior product manager for Amazon Cognito, um, and I'm going to take you through an overview of the service and the feature set. Um, and then we're going to have one of our customers, uh, Ravi Tiagura, who is a senior director at Assyrian, uh, talk about his experience with Cognito, their use case and why they chose Cognito, uh, a little bit of background on Assyrian. They've been with us uh, since the private beta. So they've, been, they've partnered with us from the very beginning. Um, and then finally, my colleague, uh, Tim Hunt, who is also a senior product manager, uh, will demo the service. Um, he also might demo his dance moves from last night. So we'll see if that happens. Um, but uh, without further ado, let's jump in. Uh, so this story all begins with user identity. Um, it is the backbone for your application. Um, it, it's required for managing uh, your user data. Um, it's also important from a security standpoint uh, for protecting sensitive processes and sensitive data. Um, and beyond those two core pieces, it's also important for your business, right, to understand who your users are, to track their engagement. So net-net identity is important. But uh, identity and implementing auth infrastructure is difficult. And this is feedback that we've consistently heard from the developers that we've worked with over the years. And that forms the thesis for our product here. Uh, up front, you have to stand up a user directory, handling the user passwords and user data is a complicated process, and if you do it incorrectly, that can have tremendous ramifications for your business. Um, in addition, scalability is often an afterthought. You're, you want to focus on the core functionality of your application, and uh, you kind of hack together uh, the auth infrastructure up front, and you move forward. Um, so we bring uh, scalability to up front in the equation. Uh, in addition, implementing uh, security best practices like token-based authentication, which is especially important in a cloud-native environment, um, is also uh, difficult. And identity doesn't really live in a silo. Uh, you're often federating between either social identity providers, if you have a consumer-facing application, or enterprise identity providers like Active Directory. And that's a lot of undifferentiated heavy lifting that you really just don't want to invest the time in. So that's where uh, Cognito Identity comes in, in terms of uh, our, our service. Um, and here, uh, I want to call out two things. So first of all, the service is composed of two components. Uh, you have your user pools and federated identities. Now, to understand these different services a little bit better, um, I like to align on a simple framework. Um, and I know folks are coming from various different uh, levels of expertise, but Bear with me for just a moment. Uh, and if you think about essentially the end-to-end -end user flow, there's three pieces, right? Uh, there's a user provisioning step, user authentication, and user authorization. Um, in terms of the user provisioning, it can be self-service. A user comes in and signs up for your application. Alternatively, it could be deterministic. An admin invites a user to your application. Um, at that point, the user has credentials, and they can verify their identity with those credentials and they come back to your application for the authentication. At that point, we know who the user is. Um, and then the third step is the authorization uh, piece of the equation. We know who the user is, and they have specific access privileges associated with their identity. So we know what they can do. Now, in terms of how the service breaks down in terms of that framework, your user pools is meant to be your own identity provider. So it covers the user provisioning and the user authentication. In terms of the authorization layer, you have two options uh, that are native to AWS. The first is native to Cognito, and that is the federated identities functionality. Federated identities essentially serves as an identity broker between any IDP and AWS resources. So it's agnostic of IDP. You can use user pools as your IDP. You can use Facebook as your IDP or an enterprise-enabled, uh, sorry, an enterprise IDP as your IDP in that context. Um, but that's access to AWS resources. Alternatively, you can use API Gateway um, for managing access to your own uh, APIs, and that integrates with uh, Cognito user pools. 
So to bring it all together, we have this image here. On the right, on the left-hand side, you see the different identity providers that we support. On the left-hand side, you see those two authorization stories, AWS resources and your own APIs, which are fronted by API Gateway. Two things I want to call out on this slide before we move on. Um, we also support a data synchronization feature that synchronizes data across devices for a single identity. And number two is if you have to take seriously the mobile phone and the laptop. This is a service that's optimized for both mobile and web. Your identity doesn't live in one or the other, right? And what that means from a tactical standpoint is that we have these client-side SDKs that you can integrate directly into your application. Uh, we have one for iOS, one for Android, and one for JavaScript. And they provide the logic for uh, all these authentication, sign-up flows you still, as the developer, control the UI. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, first, though, I want to look at just based on the customers that we've been working with, uh, what are the different types of use cases we're seeing? Um, customers are building B2C applications, so business-to-consumer applications. They're also building business-to-employee applications, business-to-business -business applications. In addition, we're seeing customers use this service in conjunction with our IoT suite to manage the users that are paired with devices. Um, in addition, Cognito fits into the broader serverless application approach. It provides the authentication service, and you can use it in conjunction with API Gateway, Lambda, and even DynamoDB for your state management. And then finally, um, Cognito, through that federated identities feature that I discussed, um, is a security best practice that you should implement from the standpoint of accessing AWS resources from the client side in a secure manner. <coughs> um, so now I want to double click into uh, your user pools. And I want to start off at a 10,000 foot level um, in terms of explaining the service and the three core components of the service. So the first one we've talked about a little bit. Um, in terms of these serverless flows for user authentication and user management. Um, basically, again, that, those are provided through those client-side SDKs that provide the logic that you can directly integrate in your application. Um, and we call them serverless because, in actuality, it's not just a marketing term. It is serverless in the sense that you don't have to stand up an instance to really manage these flows for your authentication service. Next, the underlying data fabric of the service is actually a proprietary uh, AWS uh, user store and user management um, infrastructure. And basically, it is highly reliable and can scale to hundreds of millions of users. And then finally, with this service, what we've really tried to do is productize and expose many of the security best practices that AWS uses, as well as the broader Amazon retail uses. So with that, basically, we have uh, phone number and email verification. We support multi-factor authentication. We also support protocols like secure remote password protocol, which at a high level essentially uh, entails creating a derivative of the password on the client side. And that derivative is used to do the identity verification. So if we come back to a tactical standpoint, what does that mean? It means that the plain text password is never passed through the wire, um, and AWS never sees that plain text password. <coughs> so now let's double click a little bit into those uh, user flows. At a high level, we support all basic user flows through those SDKs, uh, user sign up, user sign in. Um, in addition, you can allow your users to manage and update their user profile data. Um, we have a flow for forget password. We also support token-based authentication out of box, and we support the OpenID Connect protocol uh, by vending um, identity tokens. Uh, we also support the OAuth 2.0 protocol by uh, vending uh, access and refresh tokens. In addition, we support email and phone number verification, which essentially requires the user to verify their email or password during the registration step that's executed by sending a one-time password, which is a verification code, to the user during registration, and for them to complete that process, they would have to enter that code. 
Uh, in addition, along a similar uh, construct, uh, we support SMS-based multi-factor authentication, and that comes back to that sign-in authentication step. Uh, for the user to access the application, they have to uh, complete two challenges as opposed to one. In addition to the password, they complete that one-time password challenge that's uh, sent to them via SMS. Um, now, these all, all these flows are provided directly through those client-side SDKs that we've discussed. But one of the, the neat things about this product is that you can customize all these flows based on your specific business requirements. And you can do that two ways. The way that we're going to discuss in depth here is using Lambda. Um, you also have the option of incorporating this functionality through the lower level AWS SDK, which obviously has support for more programming languages. But in terms of implementing some of the more complicated flows, like authentication with secure remote password protocol, that's going to require a little bit more heavy lifting. But let's talk about how you can customize these flows with Lambda. Um, there's various different sets of what we call Lambda hooks. Um, the first set is, uh, allows you to essentially implement a custom authentication flow, uh, meaning you can customize the actual flow, uh, the authentication flow that your user goes through. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, in addition, we have these event-based triggers, so before and after the authentication, pre-sign-up and post-confirmation. If you imagine that the pre-sign-up, post-confirmation scenario, imagine a user comes to your application and they provide their data in some sort of form. You take that data, send it to the Cognito service, and at that point you can invoke a Lambda hook to execute some kind of specific business logic that you have. So for example, you can run a beta in that context, and you can block the user from signing up at that point. They're registering from uh, a different geography that you're not supporting in that beta. Um, in the same way, imagine that user goes through the registration process, they go through an email verification, and then they finally reach a confirmed state. At that point, you can invoke the post-confirmation hook to execute some specific logic, like uh, sending a custom welcome message or uh, custom analytics. The last one is the custom message. And through the service, there's a lot of direct touch points with uh, the customer. You're sending messages, SMS messages. Uh, you're sending emails for email verification. And those are important touch points with your customers. So we allow you to fully customize those touch points. Um, you can customize through a static template, through a console. So you can customize the language or HTML, but it's a static template that everyone will get uh, the same one. Using the custom message hook, you can essentially make that a dynamic template, depending on the user attributes. So if they're coming in from Japan, you can localize it. You can also personalize it for the individual person, uh, say, you know, dear XYZ. Um, so rich functionality there, and let's talk a little bit more about the custom authentication flow. Um, this essentially, again, allows you to customize the actual authentication that the user goes through. Our uh, service is password-based, so typically every user will have to go through a password-based authentication. With this flow, you can supplement that. You can add additional challenges, like a CAPTCHA challenge or a custom second factor challenge. Um, you can also totally uh, subvert the password-based approach that we take. So we have a customer implementing passwordless authentication um, where, as opposed to ever remembering a password, their users can just get an OTP on every sign-in. And they're using the custom auth flow to implement that. So powerful uh, ability to customize here. So um, I'm going to fly through this slide a little bit because Tim is going to cover this a little bit more in depth during his demo. Uh, but in addition to those user-focused and user-focused flows, uh, we provide rich admin capabilities uh, so that are available through the console and through the SDK and CLI. Um, you can create and manage uh, multiple user pools. Um, basically, we support six regions today, and a user pool lives in a single region, uh, two European regions, Frankfurt and Ireland, two North American regions, uh, Portland and Northern Virginia, and uh, two uh, APAC regions, uh, being uh, Tokyo and Seoul. Um, in addition to the, the standard attributes that we allow you to capture for your users, you can define custom attributes, so membership status, for example. 
Uh, you can require submission of attributes during the registration process. We also have this notion of app, and you can have multiple apps that use the same user pool, allowing the user to leverage the same credentials across those apps. Um, and you can set different permission levels for each of those apps um, in terms of updating the user attributes. Um, you can set uh, the password policies for the user pool, so you can require specific uh, characters or uh, you know, numbers, et cetera, and you can uh, search and manage the users both through the console and uh, the APIs. So moving on, I wanna call out a couple of the more advanced features. Um, so we have that notion of, we obviously have the notion of user. Uh, as I mentioned, we have a notion of app. We also have a notion of device, so it's a, almost kind of like a triad. Uh, in terms of the device, um, basically we authenticate uh, the device on every sign-in, and that allows you to track the devices. And this is obviously a feature that you can configure, so you can turn off or on. Um, but with that ability to track and authenticate the devices, that provides you the ability to build in some uh, additional interesting logic for your application. So imagine you're a content distributor, and you want to limit the number of devices associated with an account. You can use this uh, Remember Devices feature. You can also use Remember Devices in the context of multi-factor authentication. So typically, you go through both uh, challenges, the password and the OTP challenge. Uh, you can use the Remember Device uh, notion to suppress the second factor on further sign-ins. And again, this is configurable by you uh, as the developer. Um, so moving on, we also support uh, uh, a feature natively for importing users. Um, there's multiple ways of doing a migration, um, but this is one that's kind of built into the service. Um, you can uh, do a bulk attribute import for your users, um, and that involves kind of bringing that to an intermediary format, which is a CSV file, and then you can upload those user attributes into uh, the user pool. Um, we do not handle the passwords in this context, so it does require a password, uh, the user to go through a password reset. Um, we've seen that this works for some customers, but there's obviously multiple ways to migrate um, that you can implement. So with that, um, I want to kind of end on, uh, you know, we've talked in depth about the IDP feature, the identity provider uh, user pools feature, um, extensive capabilities there. Um, I want to close on that last piece of the framework, the authorization. Um, options that we have. And we discussed both of them at a high level, but let's now go into uh, a little bit more depth there. Um, with the API gateway option, you have two uh, sub-options. Uh, the first is native support for Cognito in API gateway. What that essentially means is that Cognito then becomes the authenticator and authorizer. So if a user exists in a user pool, they get access to all the APIs fronted by API Gateway. So it's a binary decision, essentially. It allows you to move quickly and integrate those uh, two features and powerful in the, in the serverless application uh, development context. But if you want a little bit more of a finer-grained approach, uh, you can leverage the custom authorizer feature, which essentially um, is, fire, which is a feature that fires off the Lambda function and takes in as an input uh, a bearer token. So in this case, it would use our identity token. And you can parse out those attributes and write the logic to give uh, finer-grained access control based on the attribute data of the user. So you can say if the user is an admin, they get uh, access to all the APIs. If they're a regular user, they would obviously get uh, access to a subset of the APIs. So that's the integration between uh, user pools and API gateway, and that was the option one in the authorization context. The second one is the native approach for Cognito, which is that federated identities feature, which is an identity broker. And again, that's for access to AWS resources. And it builds on AWS identity and access management um, and the AWS security token service. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, it's agnostic of IDP. So you can integrate you know, a social IDP, you can integrate uh, uh, an enterprise IDP, you can integrate user pools. But basically, uh, the authentication takes place with that IDP, and some assertion is returned to the client side. So that's the first step. Um, that assertion is taken, and it is sent to the Cognito service, 
and in exchange, uh, temporary AWS security credentials are vended. Um, and those temporary security credentials are obviously time-bound, um, and they are associated with an IAM, an Identity and Access Management rule, which is associated with an IAM policy. And that policy document obviously is written to give privileges to specific uh, resources in the AWS environment. So that's how you scope down the access there. So those temporary security creds are returned to the client side, and with those temporary security creds, uh, the client can essentially uh, call and uh, access AWS resources. So those are your two option sets. I will call out that, again, you know, we support token-based authentication, so we support JWT tokens. Um, so you can build whatever authorization layer that you want, leveraging those tokens, because those are to the spec. But you do have these two authorization approaches that you can leverage with Cognito in the context of AWS. So with that, I'll call up uh, Ravi, uh, and I appreciate your time. Thanks. Well, uh, thanks, Vikram. And good morning, and thanks for being here. Uh, I'm Ravi Thiagura from Ashurian. I'll, sorry. A little bit about Ashurian before I get into my use case. Uh, Ashurian is a global leader in technology protection services. Uh, our aim is to make technology work seamlessly for our customers. We do that through a suite of services and products uh, that we offer. So uh, the first uh, service that we have is the protection services. Uh, for the mobile devices or any electronics uh, within your home. So if we help customers recover from uh, incident like a loss or theft or uh, damage to the device. Uh, so if you ever had a protection plan on your mobile device or bought extended warranty from uh, any of the major retailers, you probably were an Assurian customer. Uh, so the other uh, thing that we do is uh, premier support through our Saluto branded uh, support services. So we use that to uh, help the customers throughout the uh, life cycle of a device uh, from helping them with onboarding onto a new device or uh, uh, solving day-to-day -day technical problems for them. Uh, so we have uh, over 290 million customers throughout the world, uh, and uh, we are operational in uh, 18 different countries. So. Uh, Whatever we do, all the apps, they have to be scalable and deployable globally. Uh, so coming into your use case, so we have, uh, based on our current implementations, around a um, little over 40 million plus identities. Uh, there's a, a big difference between our subscriber base and the identities uh, because uh, of the different products that we have, but we are trying to close that gap with the product innovation we are doing in our uh, Saluto brand. Uh, Two million uh, authentications every day uh, coming from our mobile apps. Um, and because of a global presence, we needed an IAM service uh, for B2C, which, was, which is available or which can be uh, scalable across our globe. And we are a B2B2C company, uh, which means we sell our products or we service the end user through our clients. So uh, we, we white label all our apps. Uh, because we have so many flavors of the app, we need the ability to customize the sign up and sign in process uh, based on that particular client's requirement. So if, uh, early this year, around Q1, we started looking for a service that we could deploy uh, or use for all our apps that we were existing as well as uh, the ones that we were considering building. Uh, so we started talking to multiple of our vendors and reached out to our AWS team, and they introduced us to the Cognito team, uh, Tim, Vikram, and Rahul. And we started working with them to come up with the uh, initial design. So the initial design is not much different from the patterns that Vikram walked through earlier. The only uh, difference is the integration with our on-prem services, uh, which is made possible by some of the uh, out-of-the-box features that Cognito has. I'll uh, get into that a little bit. So if all the why we chose uh, Cognito, 
most of it is because of all the out-of-the-box features that it, it brought uh, to the table. Um, I will highlight a couple of those. Uh, the first one, obviously, being the scalable service uh, globally available for us. So as we try to close our gap uh, from 40 to two, uh, 290 million, we needed a service which could scale uh, linearly with our growth. So if Cognito gave that uh, as a platform service without us taking, uh, building the framework or taking care of the uh, upkeep and maintenance. And wide uh, support for identity models, uh, sign-in uh, or the user pools, obviously the directory, that's what, uh, what we wanted. And also the identities, developer identities using Cognito identities so that we could leverage the existing uh, directory that we have for our implementation while we migrate the users over to the uh, Cognito user pools. Lambda hooks, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we needed the uh, ability to customize our sign-in and sign-up process. The la Lambda hooks gives us that ability. Um, and, and the uh, SDK support for the major mobile platforms as well as uh, the web so that we can use the same identity across our mobile apps as well as our uh, uh, web properties. So Ashurian uh, implementation, um, once we started getting into it, uh, we had to pivot a little bit on the initial design because of our customers' needs, contractual obligations that we have with them and so on. So we have multiple apps. Um, our primary app is a, a channel for the customers to reach our uh, technical support uh, and also uh, a channel for us to engage our customer and help them get, uh, get more out of their devices and so on. So that one uh, doesn't have user context as much, but it's, it's more about device identity. Uh, and the second, uh, other apps that we have that need user context. So if we needed the, uh, we needed an implementation which could span across both, start with device identity and then augment it with uh, user identity when we, uh, when the user deploys the secondary apps on it. And provisioning, um, our clients give us the customer information that uh, they enrolled in our programs uh, through them. So whenever a customer tries to provision the app or install the app, we have to verify their uh, eligibility through the APIs uh, on the data stores that we have on-prem. So if, uh, we needed an ability to hook those into the sign-up workflow. And uh, we take uh, customer uh, data security very seriously. So we use an on-prem-based crypto service uh, to protect all sensitive data. Uh, so if, again, as part of the sign-up, we needed the ability to encrypt before we actually wrote into the uh, user pools or our uh, AWS-based uh, app stores. And the last two, because the apps are branded as clients, uh, they have the final say in, in the approval uh, before we put it up for download. So if, uh, some of the uh, clients, uh, it, it helps to get the, go through the approval process if you uh, know what's actually embedded in your app. So we, we were a little weary about embedding uh, a lot of additional libraries into it, as well as uh, some of our clients wants uh, predictable routing pattern in the sense of the traffic flowing through all the data that flows through, uh, it has to stay within an identifiable IP uh, space. So if, based on that, uh, we like I said we pivoted a little bit, so I'll walk you through that uh, uh, quickly. So like I said, uh, our implementation starts with device sign-up. So walking through the layers there, so uh, the end users, and we have services app services as well as proxy services deployed on AWS. Uh, and we have the Cognito and RDS is used as our uh, app store, or I'm sorry, app data store. And then we have the two uh, on-prem services that I uh, talked about. So when the user makes a request, we use an uh, SMS 
uh, one-time password uh, to verify the user uh, when they submit a uh, mobile device number. We got to validate or verify that the user actually owns that. And once we uh, get that and validate it, we make a call to our on-prem services to get the eligibility check. And if they have, uh, if they are prop enrolled in one of our services, we give them the uh, proper experience. If not, they get uh, lower tier uh, free experience. And then uh, we make a call to our crypto service on-prem to get the, uh, encrypt the sensitive data. After that, using that encrypted data, we create the cognito identity, uh, uh, create a record within the user pools, and also update our app store. Once the record is there, we create the identity token and the access token, and we push that forward to the uh, device. Now the app is ready to uh, invoke all secondary services that it needs to do its job uh, using the access token and the identity token. So the device refresh, uh, access token, identity tokens, uh, they have a one hour limit on them. So asynchronously, our app uh, takes care of refreshing that so that when the user wants to uh, uh, invoke a service, it's, it has the latest uh, token or a valid token already there. Uh, so it, it passes the refresh token. Uh, we validate it against the Cognito and and once it's validated, we get the updated identity and the access token. So uh, we are actually using this service to piggyback uh, off of it to uh, sync up the device settings to. If, if the user details changed, which is asynchronously updated in our app store, we fetch those updated changes and push it back to the device along with the identity and refresh tokens. So, this is where it's a little bit uh, unique for us. Uh, so when, when the user uh, provisions or, or uh, installs the secondary app, which needs user context, uh, like our backup apps, which gives you the ability to store your photos and uh, videos and so on and documents, we need a user context there. So device already has the identity token. Uh, uh, it passes that identity token. We validate that. And then once again, check our eligibility service because it's a secondary app. It has different uh, rules against it. And once validated, we again protect the sensitive data, uh, the user data that we get along. And we update the existing Cognito record uh, with the user profile information and update our stores too. Now, Cognito record is ready to accept a device level authentication as well as user level authentication for us. Uh, so if, if the user decides to deploy uh, the app again on a secondary device or, or multiple other devices, they can now use the user details to log in and it goes against the same identity. And then we piggyback off that to get the uh, app information and sync up uh, the app settings and other user information on multiple devices. So that, that's the high-level uh, workflow. I, I, I'm not talking about the sign-in process uh, because that's uh, typical that Vikram walked uh, uh, earlier today, walked through earlier today. So what we learned, uh, like Vikram said, we were involved from the very beginning of the private beta. It's been really a great experience working with the Cognito team and our engineering team <coughs> working together to figure out our requirements and then coming up with a solution which is gonna meet uh, all our needs. testing program. So we are going through uh, a lot of testing right now, getting ready to launch uh, multiple of our apps uh, using Cognito. Because we are uh, doing it in a, a little bit customized way, uh, make, we had to make sure we are testing everything. And I, I would highly encourage everybody to do the same. Walk through, stress all the APIs <coughs> that you are uh, using because you don't want to run into a soft limit and get surprised in production. And we had to do the custom implementation because we had unique needs. We have to meet our client requirements. 
uh, end user is different, but if you are going through a B2B2C, you have to adhere to those. So, but custom implementation comes at a cost. Uh, even though most of the features are available out of the box, uh, since we decide to go with the proxy approach, now we take on that extra burden of maintaining that proxy as well as uh, paying for those, uh, the data bandwidth and so on. So weigh those costs when you're going through your own implementation. So with that, thanks for your time, and uh, Tim will walk through the demo. Thank you. Can you hear me? All right, thank you, Ravi. That was a nice overview. Uh, it's really been great working with Ravi and the Shirin team. We in AWS and Cognito always like working with customers, uh, understanding their requirements. It's the best way for us to deliver what you guys really need. So um, that's been really good. So I get to show you the demo. I'm probably not going to show you any dance moves. I'll spare you that. Maybe if Vikram had showed us some vocal stylings, I would have joined in, but we'll save you from that. Um, we're going to show you some of the things you can do in the console, so how you can set up a user pool. You'll see some of the options you get. Vikram talked about some of those. You'll get to see kind of in a concrete way what those look like. I know for me that helps me understand really how does this thing work when I can see how you can set it up. So we'll talk about some of the settings you get. Um, I'll show you ways you can import users or create users. And then I'll show you a way you can use some of these custom authentication features that Vikram talked about. So we think that strength, or a strength of Cognito is the ability to customize it. You can probably tell that was pretty important for Assyrian. A lot of the features that we have cover the bases for most of our developers, but we give you the flexibility if there's something you need that's a little bit unique, uh, that you can do it yourself. So I'm going to show you how you can customize authentication. That's really core to any identity system. So we even allow you to customize the flow a user goes through. Bear with me for a second, though, as I get logged in and set up. Okay. Okay, great. So I'm going to show you that passwordless authentication that Vikram talked about as an example. Uh, this is the kind of feature that I expect before too long we'll add as a native feature. You can just check the box and use it. But I think it's a good way to show you how you can, again, customize a really fundamental piece of the authentication system or of the identity system. Um, and it's not that complicated. So passwordless authentication, what we're talking about is the ability to have a user sign in just by using their phone. So if they just have a phone that's linked to their account and they can receive an SMS message, they can log in. Doesn't require a username or a password we know users don't like those. We know they're problematic. Users forget them. That's kind of the biggest thing. Because they forget them, they reuse passwords all over the place, and that causes other challenges. So now all they need is a phone and the ability to receive an SMS message. So I'm going to start by showing you this in action. I've got here a, a simple web app. This is based on a demo you can download today. It's uh, open source in GitHub, and you can find a link to it from our web page. And it shows you generally kind of traditional login screens, uh, or you can register or do forgot password, the basic flows, how you can use our SDKs and APIs. But what I've added is this new option for a customer. I could have made it default. All, all these choices are up to you as a developer. But this is that new you know, login by phone, passwordless approach. So what I'm going to do is start by entering a phone number. Okay, did anyone notice that's not a real phone number? Um, I don't want you to think I'm fooling you here. I didn't actually want to give everybody my personal phone number quite yet, um, so I've used kind of a placeholder here. But when I submit this button, or hit the submit button, it uh, reached out to Cognito and sent me a code through SMS, it's right there. So if I can enter that. So then I'm logged in. So this is, in this simple app, what happens when you're signed in? You get to see your profile. 
You can see, you know, last four digits of my phone number if anyone wants them. Um, so it also uh, is worth noting that I also at this point get the tokens, some of the, the JOT or JWT tokens that Vicar mentioned or the standards we follow. Uh, and that's going to be important as you go through the demo because that's an important part of getting authenticated within those tokens so that then the user has actually got those credentials to, to move on in every, however way you want to use that. So I've got an access token and an ID token here. So that was it. Again, pretty simple. Um, and I'm going to walk you through now how you can set up a user pool. I'm going to highlight some of these features that I've used in this demo and some of the other pieces that I, I think are worth pointing out. So I've stepped over here to our console. This is our, our management console. It presents you with basically two paths when you get started. I'm going to focus over here on the user pool side. That's that managed directory. If you're interested in the federated identities piece, which is how we, we manage permissions and authorization, you can go down that path. But we'll go over here to user pools. And it's going to show me the list of user pools I have already in this region. And I'm going to go through the choices you get when you create a new one so I can give you a sense of what those look like. So let's say Timpool123 is the one I'm going to create today. Start by giving it a name. And then the first choice you get are the attributes. These are the standard attributes that are from the Open ID Connect standard. And they're available for any profile. So you don't have to populate these. You can decide if you want to use them, but they're, they're always there for all your users. And what you can decide is whether or not you want to require any of them. So right now, email is checked. I'm going to decide, well, I'm going to focus on phone numbers. So I won't require that, but I will require a phone number. I don't have to do this even for this, this case, but if I want to make sure in my scenario that most users can use my passwordless flow, I'm going to require that they all provide a phone number. The other thing I'm going to highlight here is this alias column. An alias allows you incognito to sign in a user with something other than a username. So more and more today you see apps where you sign up with an email address, for example, and a password, or maybe even a phone number and a password. An alias allows you to do that as well. So you'll see as I go through the demo that actually you saw in the demo that I essentially signed in with my phone number. That allowed Cognito to look up my account based on my phone number and allow me to proceed. So for this demo, we need to have a, a phone alias. And those are just the standard attributes. You can add other attributes. So say if I wanted to keep track of which of my users are paid users, I could add that attribute or other 25 up to 25 attributes. And then you have some other settings in the policies tab. So we've mentioned the ability to customize the password strength. You can decide based on your type of application if you want to make it easier or a uh, higher standard for passwords. You can decide things like whether or not you want to allow users to sign themselves up or if this is going to be a user pool where only an administrator can create a user. And other things like the uh, users that get invited to the pool, how long those credentials last, and I'll show you that in a little bit as we go through. So here in the verifications, there are a couple of choices. We've mentioned multi-factor authentication. So you can decide if you want to offer that for your users. You can decide if it's going to be optional or if it's going to be required for every user. And then you can also decide if you want to use the built-in email and phone number verification. So I'm going to use, I'm going to add the phone for this one. If you're going to use an alias and you're going to use a, a user's phone number as their passwordless way of uh, signing in, you'd want to make sure that you had validated that phone number. And what that means is as they sign up, we'll send a code to their phone or to their email that they then enter to confirm that they actually own that phone number, that email address, and confirm their account. Now, if you are um, going to be sending messages like SMS messages to validate uh, sign-in as I've done or a phone number, you'll use our under the covers, our SMS service. And as you create a user pool, you create a role so that we can call that service on your behalf. Now I'll move on. We keep coming back to customization. These are the templates that Vikram described. So these are the, the standardized templates or the static templates where you can very easily, if you want to add your app name or some brand information or just change the way the phrasing is made, you can change messages for SMS, uh, for email, 
If you're going to invite a user, you can change the, the message for a user that you've invited. And you can also change the, the from address or the re reply to address on the email. So the intent here is to make all of this be your own. These are your users. Uh, and Cogito is just behind as your platform. So I'm going to leave those as they were. Uh, just briefly, we've added a tagging feature. So this is across AWS. If there are resources you want to tag, maybe for allocating billing, for example, you can do that for your user pool. Um, we mentioned the idea of a device. So you as the developer get to choose if you want to allow devices to be remembered always or opt-in. And then here's that option if you want to make it easier for your users to use multi-factor authentication when they're on a new device. But if they're on a device they've already used, you don't need to prompt them for that code again. You can choose to suppress that second code for a recognized device. So that gives you that added security. If suddenly there's a new device, you can make sure it's really the user. But if it's a device they've used over and over, you don't have to make them jump through that extra loop. Okay, we mentioned the notion of an app. So incognito, you can have multiple apps that use the same user pool. And you might think of this as maybe an iOS app or a web app or Android app, or maybe it's one game versus another game. You have different ways that you can use the app concept. So I'm just going to give my, uh, my app here a name. This is going to be a web app. So for web apps, we typically don't use a client-side secret because web apps really don't give you an option to secure that. And then I also want to point out the ability to control the permissions of the attributes. So I mentioned or I showed you all those attributes before. You get the ability for each of your apps to control that, what access they have to those attributes. They all start as checks so they could be uh, read or written to. But say in this example where I've decided I'm using a custom app to determine who's been a paid user, I don't want the user themselves, say if they're updating their profile, to say, hey, I've paid. Um, that's something you'd want to do from the back end. You'd want to control that maybe after a transaction. So I'm going to make that one not writable in this example. So I could create my app. And then I'm going to move on to the last critical piece here for the demo. So I've, we've talked about the Lambda triggers. There's a number of them here that Vikram went through. And the three that I'm going to highlight are these bottom three that I've used for the custom authentication flow. So I'm going to go through these in a little bit more detail. I'm going to show you some of the code behind them. But if you're going to uh, use these, you can select them right here in the console. So the first one is something called the define auth challenge. I'll show you in more detail in a second, but that determines at each step what the challenge that the user goes through is. So I've got my Lambda trigger there. Next, you've got the create auth challenge. That's actually what sets up the challenge at each stage. So I've created one of those. And then lastly, after a user responds, you verify the response to the verify auth challenge. So now I'm going to add that one. So that's it from the console side. Last step here is to review. I could go back if I wanted to change anything. And I can uh, create my user pool at this stage. I'm not going to create this one because I've already got one that I'm using, but I'll show you a couple more things in, in that user pool. So I'm using this custom auth demo user pool. And once you've created a user pool, you get a new tab, which is this users tab. This one I've just used for this demo, so I don't have a lot of, a lot of users. Uh, this is actually me right here with my phone number that uh, we used a moment ago. If you had more users, you could, you could search for them, for example. Um, and once you're in, open up a user, you can you know, disable them or reset their password. You have other features here you can do to manage your users. But you can also import users. We talked about this feature. Vikram showed you a slide on that. So if you're going to migrate a, a number of users and you want to bulk import them through a CSV file, you can download a header file to get the formatting right. And then you just create a job where you give it, give it a name, give it a role so we can record to uh, CloudWatch logs for you, um, and upload a CSV file. So you can import users that way. And then the other thing I wanted to highlight, the last thing here in this tab, is creating users. So I talked previously about a setting where you could decide if you wanted to allow users to sign themselves up or only allow an admin to create them. This is a reflection of how you can have an admin create a user. So 
if you want to create a user as an admin, you give them a name, you can give them a temporary password, you can enter their email or phone number and set those as verified if, if that's what you want to do. Uh, and then the flow there is that the user gets an invite. Now you can determine whether or not you use out-of-the-box functionality to send that invite. If you remember, I showed you how you can customize that invite too. And that invite would have the username and the temporary password. And the user would come in and they'd enter that temporary password and create a new password and they'd be off, ready to go. So that's the uh, kind of a quick showing of how you can create a user as a, an admin. Okay. So let me go back now and I want to show you some of the code behind this. So it's going to start again with our three Lambda triggers. And the first one that I've uh, described before again is this state machine or is the defined off challenge Lambda trigger. This one says at each step of the game, at each round, what's the challenge? And uh, just to reiterate that, these can have multiple rounds. So you could decide, you know, first I want to get a password, then I want to get a code, and then I want to ask for mother's maiden name or, or whatever your challenge is. You can set up a whole series of challenges. In this case, I just have the one, actually. And it also has this concept of a session. So this will come up a couple of times, so I'll, I'll spend a few seconds on it. The session is a way that we maintain state and we move uh, variables, both private and public, you'll see, from lambda call to lambda call. And one of the things that comes with the session is the session length. So as we go through each round, we have another uh, kind of instance in the session. And session length zero means that basically this is round one. So we're just starting out. This bit of code is what's going to set the challenge when we are just starting out because it's the session length one. And the key thing here is that we want to say this is a custom challenge. What we're not going to do is issue tokens. Remember when I showed you the tokens, when you issue somebody tokens, you're basically authenticating them. So we don't want to do that yet. We're just getting started. They haven't failed yet. Again, they're just getting started. So we're really just setting what the custom challenge is. Once you go through this state machine, it's going to create the challenge with a create off challenge. It's going to verify the challenge. And it's going to come back and say, okay, now what do you want to do next? And that's what happens in this next block. This is session length one, so this is when it comes back after it goes through the first round. And it's going to essentially, at this point, just do one important thing, which is say, did you get the right response? Because in this case, I really just have one round. And if you got the right response, then you are, in fact, authenticating the user. So you're giving them those tokens. They're off to use those tokens, and they haven't failed, so you won't fail them, of course. Alternatively, if maybe they didn't get the right result, um, we would not issue tokens, but we would fail them. So that's pretty simplistic as too. All right, so that's the find off challenge. And then the next part that really does most of the work, and you'll see it's really not a lot of work, is the create off challenge lambda trigger. So this one, first thing it does is it creates the code. So this is just a simple bit of code for creating a six-digit number in JavaScript. And then it sends that code via this other AWS feature, which is Amazon SNS Global SNS. You can see I have to say that slowly. It's a bit of a tongue twister, but it's a very easy service to use. With just this little bit of code, I create the message. I provide a phone number. This is one I got from the uh, user profile. Um, and I send the message, essentially. It's, it's very easy to use. Once I've sent the message, I package up a few return parameters. Here you've got both, both public and private parameters. I'm not using the public ones, but I could. I could have said something like, you know, just sent your code to this phone number. Maybe I masked part of that phone number, but if I wanted to report back to the client, I could have said, go collect your code from this phone number. I didn't go through that, but I could have. I could have alternatively said, you know, this challenge is I need to know your mother's maiden name or something. Whatever your challenge is, you could provide that back as a parameter that then your client would be able to use to present the right experience to the user. But what I do use is this private challenge parameters array. And what I really need to do here is set what the answer is. So I've created an answer. I've sent it to the user. I need to be able to verify it when that code comes back from the user. So I'm setting it here as a private challenge parameter 
So these will be encrypted, kept in the session, passed back and forth, not visible in the client, uh, but then they're available when I need to verify what the response was. And that brings me to my last Lambda trigger. So here, the really only operation I'm doing is this one right here, where I'm checking to see the answer that I just put in the session, does that match the answer that the user just gave me? If it does, the answer is correct, otherwise the answer is false. And if you remember back on our state machine, it checks to see if the answer was correct, then we're, we're off and running. So that was it, again, uh, not, a lot of, uh, not a lot of work to actually add this custom authentication method. Um, and that's it for the Lambda side on the, on the server side. A few more things I'm gonna point out for then how you would use this from the client side. So I wanna present that user experience or something like it that I showed you a few moments ago. And the uh, first thing you do with any authentication flow is you call initiate auth. So initiate auth is gonna kind of start that sequence where you can have challenge after challenge. It's kind of the first one to enter you into that flow. And the key thing here is to define as you're passing your parameters that it is a custom flow. And also you can provide some upfront parameters to get you started. And the one I provide here is what's in the username field, but it's the phone number. So now remember back, I talked about that alias function, how you can use something other than the username as the username. This is kind of that feature in action. So I'm using that phone number from the user as the username. I could also provide some other data. I'm not doing that, but if I wanted to, I could. I uh, simply call that method, um, and when I get back a response, I pass that back to the rest of my app. The important thing here is the data I get back. That's gonna have things like the session that I'm passing those variables back and forth in. It's also got uh, user attributes, um, like username that you'll see appear in a second. So then, I've asked the user for a code, the app has collected the code, I'm gonna then complete the flow by passing that back to Cognito. So I'm setting up to respond to off challenge. And if you had multiple rounds, you might call this multiple times. I only have one round in this case. So the key thing here is I'm providing the username. I could have used the phone number again, but I got the username back from the last response, so why not use it? And I'm entering the code that I've uh, received back from the user. Then I'm setting up a little bit of other features here for the um, for the SDK, the important thing here is a call to respond off challenge with those parameters. It's got a callback, and if I'm successful, if I'm not successful, I've reported error back to the user, you know, code invalid, for example. But if I am successful, I'm gonna set up a few more things, because now I want my app to be able to use these tokens that I've gotten back. So I wanna set up some things with those tokens and the sessions in the SDK, so I'm ready to go. So that was it. That's both the server side and the client side. How again, you can change the, uh, the authentication flow for Cognito. I'm gonna go back to the slides for a minute. So just a quick recap. You saw all the options that you have in a user pool, lots of ways you can customize Cognito all the way down to the authentication flow. Multiple ways you can import users as well. The last slide I wanna share with you is about some new features that we're launching. So we're pretty excited about some of these things that are coming soon. We've heard increasingly from customers that we've started to support additional identity providers, uh, and as we've added Cognito users, uh, user pools, that they're looking for new ways to manage their users and to manage those users' permissions. So first on the user pool side, we're adding support for groups. So this is a tried and true pattern, you can create a group, add a user to a group, et cetera, and that allows you in multiple ways to control different permissions for those users as well. So this information is available as your app if you want to customize the interface. It also can flow all the way through to the permissions so that at the permissions level you control what different users have based on the group that they're in. We've also expanding on that concept of the permissions and permissions management. We're adding multiple roles for authenticated users in Cognito federated identities. So today, we've talked about, and Vikram showed you a diagram of getting credentials for a user. Today, there's, right now, there's one role that you can use for all your authenticated users. 
But again, with user pools and groups and with federation, with things like SAML, a lot of customers are looking for finer grain role-based access control. And so that's really what we're giving here. Once you get a uh, user authenticated, you've got multiple ways through rules or through inspecting the token that you can choose an IAM role for that user. IAM roles have policies, and those policies can control access to your back end, whether that's S3 or through API gateway. So these are two new features that we're sure, and we've heard from a lot of customers, are going to be pretty valuable. Um, and we uh, hope you create something great with them. So that's it. Thank you, everyone. We are, I think, out of time. You might find a few of us in the lobby if you have any questions. Otherwise, please complete your evaluations and hope you had a good week.